Hey folks, it's your old friend Double T. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president, which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony Tarasi, and I am here to issue you both a warning and an invitation to the Double T podcast coming soon. This will be a podcast like no other because of me, your host, Double T, the voice of reason. And in this insane world that we live in, I, your humble host, am here to sort it all out for you. Anything, any topic, whatever needs to be talked about, will be dealt with. I promise you that this show will grow and it will grow fast. We will be found on Spotify as well as Google and Apple Podcasts, just to start with. Then, watch for our YouTube channel and watch for our monthly dinner shows. Folks, this will be the hottest ticket in New England. We are coming soon. We are coming hot. So be ready. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and I'd like to welcome you in and welcome you to the first broadcast of the Double T Podcast. I am your host, Double T, the voice of reason. Our show can be found on Spotify, Google, Apple, and Stitcher podcast mediums, and coming soon to our YouTube channel. You can email us anytime, day or night, at Double T podcast at iCloud.com and the text line will be up and running by the first of the year and that number will be 413-218-2429. That's 413-218-2429 and you can text or email us 24 hours a day and you're guaranteed to get a response from me, Double T. Folks, let me explain to you a little bit about what this podcast is going to be all about. This podcast is going to be about nothing. Yep, you heard me, nothing. Right on the order of Seinfeld, the show about nothing that turned out to be the show about everything. We intend to cover topics that are pressing in today's society, locally, nationally, and worldwide. Things that matter to everyday people like you and me. We will not be afraid to express our opinions. We will not be afraid to tell the truth and to tell things the way they actually are. We would like to keep this show humorous, but we would also like to have this show make a difference. We will bring guests on as often as possible. 
and we will broadcast remotely as often as possible. We would like to talk to political leaders. We would like to talk to doctors, lawyers, first responders, community activists, people in our lives that make differences. We want to hear from students. We want to hear from administrators. We want to know what's going on inside of our schools from the perspective of students as well as administrators. We would like to have intelligent discussions together so we can bring together and solve problems that are easy to solve. We would like to have discussions with community and police. It's about time that somebody stood up in this arena and actually started to try to fix problems that exist that are easy fixes. We're going to try on this program to make differences in our communities. We're going to start in our community and we're going to expand it to neighboring communities. You're going to find out, folks, and you're going to find out that people in this world, on the most part, are good people. And most people are willing to pitch in and give a hand when asked. But there's a lot of complacency in this world. And that's happened because people feel like they've been beaten down. There's way too much going on in the world. And the problem is you only hear the bad things. We're going to start focusing on some of the good things that are going on in today's society and things that can be fixed. Most of the problems in today's society are easily fixed. And the reason why they're not is because of ideologies. And that just comes down to people just being plain stubborn. And I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired of listening to it. I'm tired of it because I want to be part of the solution. And I know that most of you good people want to be part of the solution too. And I want to encourage every one of my listeners to join with me and let's all become part of the solution. Because you know something? There's more of us than them. I'm reminded of something that I saw on HBO many years ago on a show called Newsroom. A lot of people call this the greatest three minutes on television, where the great actor Jeff Daniels was asked a question on stage in front of a college audience, why is America the greatest country in the world? The person who was right on the dais said, because of its diversity... And the person on his left said, because of its freedom. And when Daniels was pressed for an answer, he didn't have one. He wanted to skip it. He just agreed with his counterparts. But the moderator wouldn't let him off. So he said, the New York Jets. Wasn't good enough. Then he turned around and said... The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Again, the moderator looked at him and said he wasn't going to let him off without a human answer. There was a woman up in the back of the crowd. She held up a sign, caught Daniel's eyes and said, it isn't anymore. Answering the question, 
why is America the greatest country in the world? And you can see Daniels take pause. And after that exchange on stage, she held up another sign saying, but it could be. When pressed for the answer, Daniels came out with the following. I'm going to play you the clip. I do agree that this is one of the greatest cl clips that I've ever seen on a television show. I'm going to play it for your enjoyment from the HBO television series Newsroom. Here is the great actor Jeff Daniels. Let's move on to the next question. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what, um, you know what I mean? Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it. Diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. I'm not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Our Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is America Not the greatest the country in the world, Professor. That's my answer. You're saying yes. Let's talk about fine. The, Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of her paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is... There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? 
sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors, we put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence, we didn't belittle it, it didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. So why isn't America the greatest country in the world right now? I can think of a few reasons. The first reason is politics. I don't think that our forefathers ever imagined what politics would turn into in the 21st century. To think that we would have two parties that was this disheveled and greedy dishonesty it makes me ill. Case in point with our current leadership. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You can't look at what's going on in today's White House and be pleased. It's a group of one more incompetent than the next, starting at the top. At one point, I couldn't stand Joe Biden. But now I actually feel sorry for the guy because I honestly believe that he doesn't have a clue as to what's going on. Is the vice president any better? The vice president is the least popular vice president in United States history who does nothing but uncomfortably cackle any time she's spoken to. Neither one of them has a combined political accomplishment to their entire career credit, and just goes straight down the cabinet. It's one mistake after another. It's unbelievable to describe this entire administration. Now, I'm not going to turn around and defend Trump's administration. I'm not going to make this a Trump versus Biden program. That's not the point here. There was chaos in Trump's administration. But they got things done, and at least they were a little bit more coherent than this administration. For Pete's sake, these guys have made us the laughingstock of the globe. And I don't think that the American people are going to show their gratitude to them in the midterms. Because I think our Speaker of the House is a national disgrace, but so was Paul Ryan. Ryan was subversive along with McConnell, and they were the driving force that was out to remove Trump, and they got what they wanted. And now they must live with the consequences 
of what they brought for at least four years. But I'd like to switch gears a little bit. Enough about politics. There's going to be more time for that. I'd like to switch gears, and I want to know if anybody caught the Tony Bennett special a couple of weeks ago on TV. It went along with a 60-minute piece that was magnificently done by Anderson Cooper about Tony's personal struggles with Alzheimer's disease. Now, Tony's 95 years old, and I didn't know that Tony had Alzheimer's until I saw this special. And it was actually an amazing story. Tony has very bad short-term memory, didn't even remember the concert the day after it had happened. He wanders around his apartment, looks at photos, doesn't remember a lot of the people in them. His wife has to explain everything to him. There was one clip in this 60-minute piece that I thought was absolutely amazing. Tony's pianist came into the apartment, sat down behind the piano and started playing. When Tony heard the music, he came out of his bedroom, walked down the hallway, stood beside the piano and sang for over an hour like he was 40 years old and didn't skip a beat. One thing that the Alzheimer's has not taken away from Tony was his memory of his music. And it was wonderful to watch. They interviewed Lady Gaga in the 60-minute piece, who said Tony, in all the rehearsals that they did, never called her by her name throughout the whole rehearsal process. And they were very concerned, up until showtime, whether Tony was going to be able to pull this off. One thing I can say about Lady Gaga, who I feel is the most talented female singer and musician out there today, is she has a deep love and affection for Tony Bennett. She was very concerned about if this was going to work. And when the night came for showtime, Tony walked out on stage, looked at the crowd, put his arms out, and said... Oh my God, what a great crowd here tonight. Tony's wife smiled and knew he would be okay. Gaga still had her concerns, but when she walked out on stage, Tony looked up surprised, put his arms out and said, Oh my God, it's Lady Gaga, who just about virtually broke down in tears. She came out, greeted Tony, and they did their set almost flawlessly. This was Tony Bennett's last performance. Lady Gaga said it was her greatest honor of her life and her career to walk Tony Bennett off stage for the last time. It was an amazing, amazing performance and it actually moved me to tears. I was misty watching it. It brought back to mind the Glenn Campbell documentary when Glenn had Alzheimer's and decided to go on tour for one last time. He was affected a lot more than Tony was, but just the guts of Glenn Campbell and the stamina of Tony, a man of 95, just absolutely amazed me how just amazing these guys were 
to do what they did. Kudos to both. Hey now, Mike Nesmith of the Monkees just passed away this past week. And now that he and Davy Jones and Peter Tork are all deceased, that leaves only Mickey Dolans from the Monkees left. So now there are three less monkeys jumping on the bed. Ah, okay, I just wanted to get that in there. But I wanted to point something out. It's a little interesting fact about the band, um, the Monkees. They were put together for just a television show. They were never intended to sing until Nesmith actually went to the network and insisted that they sing their own songs. And they actually became a real band and a very successful one. Uh, One interesting fact about Mike Nesmith, his mother invented whiteout, liquid paper. So Mike could have just stayed at home and corrected everybody's mistakes, but instead the music was stronger uh, of a calling to him. And he actually toured up until November, two weeks before his death with Mickey Dolenz. So Mike will be sadly missed, but I still have Keith Richards in the death pool. Another musician that we lost way too early uh, to cancer, uh, one of the world's greatest guitarists and guitar innovators, uh, Eddie Van Halen, uh, this year. I don't think people realize the innovations that Eddie made to guitars. Les Paul was a huge Eddie Van Halen fan and designed many guitars for him. Eddie was a pioneer. And I also don't think people realize, uh, even though Eddie was a tremendous talent, that David Lee Roth was the driving force behind putting Van Halen together and making them successful. Uh, and their bassist, Michael Anthony, is probably one of the most underrated bass players and backup singers in rock and roll history. And I'm glad he found his niche with Sammy Hagar. It would have been fabulous to see Van Halen with both Sammy and Dave on stage because I think they both made Van Halen great in different ways. Now, I know some people are strictly Dave. Some people are strictly Sammy. But side by side, I think they both are phenomenal and both had interesting sounds. I think Sammy actually had more hits than Dave with Van Halen. But they were both amazing and would have been great to see them both on stage together. It would have been interesting to see Wolfgang take over for his dad. But I think David Lee Roth did the right thing by retiring. David uh, just retired this past month from music. Uh, because Dave lost his voice and he did the right thing. Um, As far as legacy musicians go, I don't think anybody tops Jason Bonham as a kid, uh, an amazing drummer. He's a good singer. I think he's every bit as good as his dad, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Uh, When Zeppelin reunited in 07 for the concert at the O2 Arena in London, Jason Bonham uh, filled in for his dad. And there was so much money thrown at them, Led Zeppelin, for a reunion tour with Jason. I have to agree with Robert Plant for not wanting to do it any longer. I think he made the right decision because some bands go on way too long. 
There's no reason for the Stones to tour or the Who or Aerosmith to still be touring in their late 70s. It's on the borderline of ridiculous. We thank you for your music. We will revere your legacy. But it's time to hit the road, boys. Uh, Time to relax, enjoy your money. Uh, There's plenty of great new bands and there's a lot of time for new legacies to be created. It's time for you to step aside, boys. Folks, if you own a business and if you want to save money on energy with no money out of your pocket, there are so many programs out there you may be unaware of. That's where Chris Lilquist and National Business Consultants can help you and save you a bundle. Give Chris a call at 203-609-4118 for a free no-obligation consultation and start saving today. That's National Business Consultants at 203-609-4118. Folks, I'd like to talk to you today a little bit about what it's like to be a kid in today's America compared to what it was like to be a kid when I, your humble host, was growing up in the 60s and 70s. When I was a kid going to school, my days were very simple. We went to school, we came home, did our homework as quick as we could, changed up and ran outside to play as fast as we could. Some of us went down to the baseball field. Some of us went down to the basketball courts. Some of us just went to a friend's house. We knew that when the streetlights started to come on, it was time to get our butts home. If my mother needed to find me, there was only one or two phone calls that she had to make, and she would know exactly where I was. Video games? Non-existent. In our town, we had a place called the Hobby Shop. And the Hobby Shop, not only did they sell model cars and build crafts and things that you can do like that, they also had racing tracks there where you can go and race cars. It might cost you a dollar or two for 20 minutes. They had cars that you could rent. Some kids whose parents had a little more money, they had their own cars. I think they were called HO cars. And you could, there could be 10 or 12 kids there uh, on the the, um, racing track because you rented the remote control. And you could hook up your uh, remote control and you can race your cars on the track. It was the greatest thing. And when you were all done at the hobby shop, we used to go down to Cameron Pharmacy on Campbell Avenue in West Haven to the soda counter and get yourself a chocolate soda or a fresh made Coca-Cola. And what I mean by a fresh made Coca-Cola is when he actually pumped the Coca-Cola syrup into the glass and then put the seltzer in it and mixed it up. It was nothing like, nothing like a fresh fountain Coke. Uh, Nothing like the Coke we drink today. And then we would come home, we ate supper, Hopefully you didn't get your ass kicked for something stupid that you did from your father. You went, you took a shower, you watched a little TV, and went to bed. That's how easy it was to be a kid when I grew up. 
But what I'm going to stress to you is that we were always outside playing on the weekends, after school. We didn't want to be anyplace else. We were always playing baseball, football, basketball, street hockey. Who was pretending to be Joe Namath, Roger Starback, Roman Gabriel? Who was fighting over who was going to be the official quarterback? I wish today's kids had it easy like we did. Some of us were in the Cub Scouts, the Boy Scouts. Some of us played uh, peewee football, Pop Warner football, junior hockey. But I look at today's kids, and man, they got it harder than we ever did. I look at these parents now, for example, my own kids who are parents now, they rush kids after school to two or three different activities each and every week. One kid has karate, soccer, student government, working a job. The rest of the time, he's on his computer. What kind of a life is that? And where does he have time to be a kid? First off today, there's too many activities for kids to be involved in. There's too much competition for kids in the schools today. There's too much competition for them to be involved in because of that. There's too much pressure on these kids today. When I'm in my old hometown, I drive by the ball field that I used to play on and I never see any kids playing baseball anymore. Why is that? Why, all of a sudden kids don't like baseball anymore? I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that they have time anymore. Too much pressure at school. Too much work to do. Too many activities to be at. They don't have free time to, to, to do these things. And they're on these damn computers and playing these computer games all the time. And the parents, they don't force them to go out and play. I think computer time at home for kids should be restricted to a certain amount of time and the kids, the parents should make the kids go outside and play because I think that's an integral part of growing up. Kids should be outside playing. They shouldn't be always stuck at home on their damn computers. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our first episode of the Double T Podcast. Please feel free to email us at doubletpodcast at iCloud.com. Next week, we'll bring you another new exciting episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you soon. Hey folks, it's your old friend Double T. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president, which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, We'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Hey, folks. It's your old friend, Double T. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. 
We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president, which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Hey, folks. It's your old friend, Double T. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president, which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Hey, folks. It's your old friend, Double T. On this week's episode... We'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Hey, folks. It's your old friend, Double T. On this week's episode... We'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there. Hey, folks. It's your old friend, Double T. On this week's episode, we'll be bringing in 14-year-old Danny from Massachusetts, who took umbrage with me about our segment of kids and video games and the amount of time they spend in front of a screen. We'll look at a teenager's perspective on the issue, and it should be pretty interesting. We'll also dig a little deeper into the disaster in the White House, including the relationship between our president and vice president which seems to be picking up some legs in the media. 
Plus, we'll look at the world of sports, entertainment, and whatever yours truly feels may be interesting. We look forward for you joining us, folks. We'll see you there.